Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. No supporting partners for this one, so I wanted to quickly talk about Misspent Summers and something exciting that we've got going on this week. Misspent Summers make the awesome yearbooks Hurley Burley and the World Stage Book that document our sport in amazing quality print publications for all of us to treasure for years to come. If you haven't already got some on your bookshelf, then you really should. A couple of years back, we teamed up to make Downtime EP, which is a biannual print journal that takes the topics and guests from the podcast and brings them into a stunning thing to have, hold, read and share. A massive thanks to to everyone who supports us by either subscribing or buying separate copies. It really does help all of us keep documenting this sport that we all love. If you've not yet seen Downtime EP, then head to misspentsummers.com and check it out. The exciting news this week is that we're going to be hosting a pop-up space in Leger while the Downhill World Cup is in town. There's going to be an incredible photo exhibition put together by longtime Dirt Magazine editor Mike Rose, alongside some iconic images from the misspent summer's yearbooks from Sven Martin, Boris Bayer and Seb Sheck. I'll have a little studio space where I'll be recording some episodes and Satellite Coffee Morzine are going to be there to keep everyone caffeinated. So if you're in Leger this week, then head to Yet Immobiliere on the high street and come and say hi. Yes, that's right, we have taken over the local estate agent's office. Just a few more quick things before we get stuck into this week's episode. If you're getting something out of the podcast, then it would be awesome if you consider giving us a little something back to help the podcast keep going and growing. That could be as simple as recommending it to your riding buddies, sharing the episodes on your social media, or setting up a small regular donation via my Patreon, which you'll find at patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast. Big thank you to Peter Mateus who joined this week and to everyone who supports via Patreon. Also, if you want to represent the podcast, then there's downtime t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. To get a little more downtime in your life, you can join my newsletter where I'll provide you with a bit of behind the scenes info on the podcast, interesting bits and pieces from around the mountain bike world, some mini reviews of products I've been using and like, partner offers and more. You can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Otherwise, don't forget to follow the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode by hitting that button in your podcast app now, or there's buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. Don't forget you can either listen to today's episode right here, or if you prefer to watch it, you can now do that on my YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com forward slash at downtimepodcast. All the links that I've mentioned are in the show notes for this episode on downtimepodcast.com. All right, this week I'm joined by Fox Racing's Head of Sports Marketing and Athlete Development, Austin Hoover. Austin is the man who's responsible for looking after Fox's athlete roster and making sure that they look amazing at every race. We chat about how Austin found his way from being a stuntman at Disneyland to his role at Fox now, working with the world's best mountain bike and moto athletes. Hear what went into getting the whole of the Santa Cruz Syndicate on Fox and what it takes to make everyone's bespoke kits. We also chat about the future of downhill race kit and the future of the sport under Warner Brothers discovery. So without further ado, here's Austin Hoover. Austin Hoover, welcome to the Downtime Podcast, man. How's uh, how's your day so far? Awesome, man. Thanks for having me, Chris. Um, all good. Just sunny in California. It's uh, I'm not sure when this is going to go live, but I saw it started raining in Andorra. So um, we've got better weather here. <laughs> yes, the weather in Andorra looks horrific it's going to be interesting because that track i'm sure is not really used to getting that kind of rain it looked like it was getting pretty eroded and beaten up from the storm so i'm excited to see how practice pans out yeah yeah it will be interesting i i feel a little bad because i actually sent a i sent a voice note to tony seagrave this morning just like checking in on something and 
And I, everything I had seen last night before I went to sleep was like sunny, beautiful, you know. And I was like, oh, it looks amazing weather there in Andorra. Hopefully it sticks around. And then by the time I think he had received the message, he's sending me videos of rain in the pit. And I'm just like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to get wild for sure. But that's yeah. all good. Can't, you can't be yeah. a good mud race. All right, man. Right. Well, let's, let's get a bit of background on you because I think like moto was a big thing for you growing up. You grew up in Florida. Is that right? I did. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Florida, um, grew up racing moto. Um, my dad raced, so it was it was kind of a family thing. Um, he raced on a pro level, and then um, my brother and I both got into it at an early age. I was five, um, and yeah, grew up, grew up racing moto, and um, always kind of like bikes were always an important part of our life. Like, you know, especially BMX, like when you can't ride your moto, you just go and build jumps in the woods with your buddies for your BMX bikes. And, um, so yeah, I would say like by trade was, was a, a moto kid. Like that's what I was focused on, but, um, yeah, kind of was always obsessed with anything with two wheels and jumping really. It's like, what can I get air on? <laughs> yeah. How serious was your dad about it? Then you said he raced at a pro level, right? Was that like, was he pretty good? Yeah, um, he was pretty good. Uh, he has a, a funny nickname. We call him Hollywood Hoove. Um, <laughs> and so it kind of stems from his racing career. So he was like one of those guys that, um, you know, he was a decent level. I don't honestly really know because there's not a ton of trophies in our house. So I'm like, what's the real story here? But <laughs> from from all the stories we've heard, like he he was that guy that had like, the dialed bike and like the sick gear and like so everybody called him Hollywood so that was like always his thing so I don't think results were really his thing it was more of an image thing but you know it's it's the sport that we kind of grew up in and um yeah it's where he came from so it was was really cool that honestly now that I think back on it that my brother and I took to it like we did like it created this whole family activity for us and you know we traveled the all around the country racing and um, eventually led, you know, myself here to Fox and, um, my brother actually works full time for us as well. Um, he's a videographer. So, um, I think my, it was like my dad's dream, you know, that both of his boys ended up working at Fox, which is, which is pretty cool. And the fact that we get, we work super closely together, obviously because of, you know, the nature of my job. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Kind of stayed a family thing the whole time. That's super cool. Did, did your dad have connections to Fox from the racing side of things? Like, was he familiar with them there? Yeah, yeah. So he was really good friends with a, a guy named Mark Barnett, um, who was like a champion um, motocrosser in, in the 80s. And that was kind of, from what I understand, that was kind of my dad's connection to the Fox brand and knew knew the family, Jeff Fox, the, the founder. And um, yeah, that was kind of our original connection. And I make the joke, so... Um, I started, I was part of the amateur program, you know, with race support. And, um, I think, I think we started getting hooked up. Like, I mean, we're just getting free gear, you know, but I think I was like 10 years old. So my joke here is like, they started giving me free shit when I was 10 years old and I just kind of never went away. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome though. That must've been super exciting as a 10 year old to be getting like free Fox kit. Oh yeah, it was insane. Like, um, you know, and like with your your name and your number on the back of your jersey, and like just feel like you know. And at the time, like you know, we were looking up to Ricky Carmichael and you know all those all the legends that you know they were obviously on Fox and 
Um, you know, eventually both Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart are from Florida too. So like the, the sort of moto culture happening in, in that area, um, was, was really cool. And unfortunately there's no mountains there, so there's not a lot of mountain biking going on, but (laughs) tons of moto riding. So yeah, it was a good foundation for me. Yeah. How far did the racing side of things go for you then? Like, could you, could you see a future in it at some point or? Yeah, that's a, it's a great transition. You're a really good host. Um, (laughs) so I, yeah, I, I raced pretty seriously up until I was, uh, you know, 18, 19, kind of getting into like where you need to start making decisions, like what life direction you're going to take. And, Uh you know, like I said, the community in Florida was, was super strong. And a lot of my friends and competitors were starting to get rides, right? Like, oh, Davey Millsap signed a Suzuki contract. Kyle Chisholm got a Kawasaki contract. And I'm like, this isn't really going to happen for me anytime soon. Um, and so, yeah, I made the decision to to go to school. And of course, I kept riding and racing just for fun. But um, yeah, when I graduated from high school at 18, I, I went straight into college and um, with like a marketing and communications focus and just, but always with the intention, like, you know, to work in the, the industry per se. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that I realized that as early as I did, because I think, you know, and, and no offense to those like chasing the privateer dream. Um, but I think I, I would have done that for a long time because a bunch of my friends did. And then you're 27 and like, what do I do now? You know what I mean? So it, it was cool to, for me to be able to go to school and get educated while, you know, kind of using my industry connections and just participation in the sport too to kind of remain in the space that I wanted to be in the whole time. Um, so yeah, it was in hindsight was a was a good decision because my my racing career was not looking bright. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. And alongside this, am I right in thinking that your dad used to work at Disneyland? He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people I think in Florida. Um, it's like, you know, one of the main industries there, like, I don't even, I can't even imagine how many total employees they have, but yeah, my, my pops worked for Disney and, um, which was, which was funny. Like we took it for granted as kids, like we would go there for dinner, you know, and ride one ride and come home. We're like 12 years old, you know? So, um, so yeah, that, that's what kept us in Florida. Um, and which was funny because then the whole moto industry, like a bunch of athletes ended up moving there later down the road. They figured out it was, you know, a year round place that you could ride good weather good, good conditions for training with humidity and heat. Like if you can, if you can do 30 minute motos in the Florida sand and heat, like you can, you can dominate anywhere. And Ricky Carmichael kind of like set that standard. Um, but now like every moto athlete that I work with either has a, like a partial home in Florida or they're, or they're there full time. Like a, a majority of them either bounce back and forth between Florida and California or live in Florida full time. So it's kind of crazy. The industry ended up kind of like coming to us and my parents and my brother still live there. So, um, it's cool. Like I, I get, I get to go back quite a bit for work stuff and then, you know, get to see the family too at the same, at the same time. So yeah, yeah that's a hot bed, man. Yeah. And that, that link into, uh, Disneyland, uh, ended up with you working there for a little bit before you found your way into kind of, uh, Fox and the motor industry, right? What were you up to yeah. at Disneyland? That was kind of during my, that transition that I talked about. Actually, that was like when I was kind of finishing college and, um, I had a couple buddies that were working at, um, 
there was a stunt show at the at the uh, MGM Studios or Ho- I can't remember they call it like Hollywood Studios or something like that now. But um, and the show is no longer unfortunately, but it was super cool. It was like a um, cars and uh, it was actually based on a on a show that originated in uh, Disney France. So it was a it was a French production originally, and then they kind of converted it over to the to the uh, the Florida park, and it was like basically like a like I don't know if you've ever seen like the Indiana Jones show at Disney, but it's like an uh-huh. action like stunt show, and then they stop and they show it's like kind of a to show the the um, the the viewers like a behind the scenes look. Um, so it was like supermoto bikes and cars and drifting and fire and all kinds of crazy <laughs> nice. shit. So. Um, I had a couple buddies, like I said, that got in somehow and it was like super good money. Like it paid really well. You were actually, it was like SAG, like the actors guild. Um, so you you had like all the SAG like standards for like, like high level production. So like you get paid like for eight hours if you were only there for two or whatever, like whatever it was all kinds of, anyway, it was a sick deal. And, um, so long story short, they were really struggling to find, people that could ride, um, the, the motorcycles, the cars, they had pretty, uh, like under control. They had a lot of people, but, and then, so what they started doing was like reaching out to the local like moto community because, and it was, it was street, um, you know, they had slick tires and they were like super moto bikes basically. But what they said was like, they were all, they were trying to find motocross riders because the guys who could do the street riding couldn't jump. But the guys who could jump, they could teach how to do all the street stuff, like the burnouts. And, like, I had never done that before. If I burned a tire out, I, my, my dad would skin me alive because, you know, that's a $90 tire. But, um, but yeah, it was funny. I ended up getting in that. And, um, unfortunately, I got hurt, like, really early on in, the, in being a part of the show. I, blew, I, I had a partially torn ACL, and then I had a crash on, on the bike in, at the show. Um, and, and just fully torqued my ACL, like just Um, had to do a full reconstruction. But that was honestly kind of one of the moments where I was like, okay, like I'm going to, I need to like figure my shit out. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that was kind of, I went, once I got hurt, then, um, I took a gig. Actually, I have a, I have a sticker on my water bottle at a place called Mama Sauce, um, Uh It was a print shop in Orlando, and a, a friend of a friend ran it, and I was down and out hurt and um, hadn't really found a job, and uh, and he was just like a marketing genius. And I was like, man, I, I want to... I want to, I need to do something. Like I need to get out, like start, you know, using... I, I can't remember if I had finished my degree or not, but anyway, I, I was busted. I would like show up at the print shop every day on my crutches and um, I was like, I started helping out with like social media and just like some basic marketing stuff, um, around the, around the shop. And it was super cool. It was like the first time I'd ever truly worked with like creatives. Uh-huh. Um, like they had a design team and they did a bunch of, it was really rad. I'll, I'll send you the link, but, um, they do like high end, like letterpress printing and screen printing. And, um, but yeah, I just, I just like spent my ACL recovery there basically learning, um, and then at the very end of that is when my wife and I, what, who would become my wife, we moved to California, um, which eventually led me to Fox. It's a little bit of a longer story, but, um, yeah, anyway, that's, that's kind of my <laughs> part of the story, at least. I don't know how deep you want to go. <laughs> no, that's all good. So you were in California before you joined Fox, right? I was. Yeah. So my wife actually got an opportunity to come out here, um, 
she was doing some uh, speech pathology stuff and um, her best friend got her a gig in Hollywood as like an internship. So while I was doing the print shop thing, she was living out here at her friend's house, like doing an internship. And, and at, the, at the end of it, um, I came out to visit her and then we were going to road trip back to Florida. And that last week she was working there, they offered her a job. And they were like, hey, do you, do you want to just work here full time and move to California? And I was like, hell yeah, of course. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get out of Florida. I probably would have left Florida five years earlier if I hadn't met her. But like we just we met and yeah, I ended up staying there longer. But so then we moved out together. We we're living in L.A. Um, she was working at the speech office. And then honestly, <laughs> it's funny now I look back on it. Like the first six months of us living in California, I did absolutely nothing. Like I was just <laughs> riding, like kind of working, like just she was working. I was probably being a really bad partner at the time. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was two years total that we, from when we moved to California to when I started at Fox. So I did, I just did a, some random stuff. I worked at a, at a, um, a creative agency in LA, which was also super cool. Got like tons of experience, um, doing that and was helping out with some, just like some Red Bull event work through friends that worked there. And, um, and then I, uh, I also, did marketing for a uh, like a privateer supercross motocross race team, um, which was another like crazy experience. We could probably do a whole podcast on that alone. But long story short, I had a friend who um, was of an old family friend who was managing this race team, and she, they landed a, a really big sponsor, CycleTrader.com at the time. And I remember she called me and was like, hey, we got this big sponsor and they want to do all this marketing stuff. And like she was trying to run a race team and she was like, can you help me? Like, I know you're good at this type of stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, kind of. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I just got thrown in as like the sponsorship coordinator for this, you know, corporate you know, company. And I had a weekly call with these people in Virginia at Cycle Trader. And um, it was awesome. Honestly, it was so cool because it was just like, it was super entrepreneurial. And it was like, we kind of got to make it our own. Um, and I got to make it my own with my role because I, I worked on that side. But what I really wanted to do the whole time was work with athletes. So once I got in at the race team, I'm like, making sure the guys have all their product and like coordinating the photo shoots. And, you know, I got to go to some races and, and really that job paid absolutely nothing. But m my whole intention was get me to the events. If, if I, if I'm there, I'll end up where I want to be. And obviously that was at Fox. So, um, it took a while, but we landed here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So was your first role within Fox, was that Within motocross teams, it was, wasn't it, I think? It was, yeah. So I started here in um, August of 2015, and I was the pro athlete manager on the moto side. Okay. So um, just got thrown right in, taking care of Ryan Dungey, Chad Reed, Ken Roxon. Um, we were right oh, in the – yeah, and it was crazy. I, I'll never forget, like, the, my first day here – um, who was my boss at the time, maybe the first week, but we were talking to the pro circuit 250 team, which we hadn't signed yet. Um, and I was just like, Oh my God, like, we're going to do this. We're gonna have a 250 team. Like I'm going to have, I'm going to work with all these riders. And we ended up signing that team. We still work with them to this day. So that's really cool. And, um, so yeah, that was, that was my original gig, um, here, which I did for about two years. Uh -huh. Um, which how, was how did that amazing. 
how did that route into Fox come about then? Was that through being on the circuit at the races with this privateer team? Um, no, I, I was already really connected with the brand. Like yeah. I had a lot of, you know, from my time with the amateur program and there was a, a couple, a couple people that worked here at the time who I was friends with. And actually Mikey Rangel, who runs global marketing for us was at Fox originally. Um, and we met through just, you know, I would come to Fox events, like once I lived here. Um, so we had kind of gotten to become buddies and then, um, which I mean, now we're really, really close friends, which is awesome. Like, and we work super closely together, but, um, he was actually doing the moto athlete manager role before I got hired. So he did the job before I did. He actually left and went and worked for stance for a couple of years. Um, so then, that kind of opened it up for me. And then, um, yeah, that, that was, that was my way in, but yeah, it was, I would say being at the races definitely helped and being out in California definitely helped, but it was those original connections I would say with the brand that, that kind of opened the door for me. And I just kept pushing so hard. Like I would, I probably annoyed the shit out of them now that I think about it, but, um, this is where I wanted to be. I knew that I was, I was, I've always been so passionate about this brand and, um, I, I'm just such a believer in, in the foundation that the family established in, in 74 and yeah, the, the, yeah, it's just exactly where I wanted to be. So, and it opened up and cause like I said, I was always just obsessed with two wheels, um, which is, I think why, you know, the fact that, you know, I were, like I said, I originally was brought on, on the moto side, but like, I kind of always knew I'd end up on like crossing over to the mountain bike world as well. I didn't know that I would be able to work on both, which is insane. Um, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a cool route in for sure. <laughs> yeah. So how does mountain bike start to creep into your life then? Cause like you said, growing up, it was moto and BMX by the sounds of things. So like a real drive for anything two wheels, but not a huge amount of riding where you were. No. When did you start no. to kind of get swayed by mountain biking and start to swing a leg over them? Yeah. So like I said, I always had that interest in, in bikes and primarily BMX. And I always, I always just like followed BMX, like, especially I was really into like building trails and, you know, the scene, like in being in Florida, like if you're a BMXer, it's like, Oh, I'm going to go to Pennsylvania for the summer and ride the, and ride the trails up there. You know, I, I remember guys at the skate park would talk about that. And I was a little kid, but I was always be like, Oh, that's like the dream. That's so cool. You know, <laughs> watching like the old, like Brian, and foster videos and like all that stuff. Like I just idolize those guys. So, um, yeah, foundationally was always interested in bikes. And then really, I think on the mountain bike side, um, the serious, I think like when I really started to realize it was when during my time at our office in Barcelona. So I worked in, I worked at Fox Europe for two and a half years. Um, and I sat next to Vincent Sacomani, who was our, our um, sports marketing guy at the time for bike. And he has like skateboard roots and so do I. And so like we, we shared a lot of similar interests. So he, he would just start showing me stuff. Like he'd show me videos or like, you know, he'd get like the hurly burly books and like stuff would start showing up at the office. And I had absolutely no responsibility whatsoever on the bike side. Um, and then you know, we'd have sales meetings and we have, you know, Loic would come and Tawny would come. And, you know, I, I started to meet the athletes and, um, 
yeah, it was kind of just like, I just really was like, holy shit, like there's a, there's something really cool going on here, you know? And, um, I think digging in like a little deeper than just like surface level, like fan, I would say. Um, and yeah, that was kind of what opened my mind up to it and then started riding a little bit more, um, when I was over there. But it's funny too, cause now I look back and like in 2016 for my bachelor party, like we went to Keystone mountain and like just rode the bike park on rental bikes for three days. Like me and all my buddies, like we had no idea, like we didn't know about bikes. We didn't, nobody uh-huh. owned bikes, but it's like the interest was always there, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, over in Europe, I started riding a bit. Like we had a sales meeting at Leo gang and like did a couple of days in the bike park there. And the world cup was that weekend. And that really kind of like got me exposed to, to that, you know, the whole community. And, um, but again, it's like, I wasn't like, shouting from the top of the mountain, like, Hey, put me on the mountain bike category. You know, that, that kind of just happened naturally, um, a couple years later, but yeah, that was kind of when I really started paying attention, watching the world cups and like, yeah, it was, and now I'm just like, so in it, it's crazy. So it's, it's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. So when did you find out then that you're going to be moving into a role that involved both moto and mountain bike? Um, it, it, like I said, it was a couple of years later. So I, in the, at the end of 2019, I moved, moved back to, back to the States. Um, and just obviously nobody knew, but right before the pandemic. So it was like November of 19 came back and then like, before you know it, the pandemic hit and then like the whole world changed. Right. Like, um, and we had uh, our new CEO, Jeff McGuane, who's now our president of the Action Sports Group. Um, awesome, awesome dude. Um, during COVID, we got really, we, our team got really small all of a sudden. And we started working really closely together. And um, at the time, I was in like a brand marketing role for, for Moto. And um, we started working really closely together. And I think he just, he saw, you know, my... I guess my skill set of, you know, working with teams and partners and athletes. And, um, so yeah, he, he offered me in, it was August of 2020 that he offered me the role that I'm in now. Um, and he, I'll never forget. He called me and he was like, Hey, I've got an idea. And like, he's the type of guy that like, when he's got an idea, you're like, okay. Like when he says that you're like, like full focus because he's just, he's, you know, such a smart dude and has so much experience across our entire industry. So um, it really piqued my interest and I was like, okay, what's he got for me? You know? And then, and then he's like, yeah, we want you to run sports marketing across both categories. And I was like, mountain bike too. And he's like, yeah, I said both categories. <laughs> That's pretty unusual, right? It is. It was a, it's a role that we never had here. Um, I think it's something, you know, pretty unique, but at the same time for a brand that's so ingrained in, in both sports, I would say like quite honestly, it's really cool because, you know, a lot of my job, like I try and connect the two programs, like, or if something's working really well on the moto side, you know, try it on the, on the bike side and and vice versa. So Uh for us, it's, it's really opened up, I think, um, just a different way of thinking and a different way of doing things for both sides. That's, that's really kind of, we found a lot of efficiencies and just a lot of things that work well, um, you know, on both sides of, of, of the, of the sports. But what I really like is, is the mutual admiration that, that exists. 
um, between, you know, the, the world, especially I think the world cup racers are super tuned into moto. Um, and now I I think the moto guys are starting to catch on. I think, I think the, the mountain bikers are a little bit more fan of moto versus going the other way. But then you've got like, there's a lot of moto guys that are really tuned in now, which is super cool. Like, Kenny Roxon is a, is a massive fan. Like I'm when I go to the World Cups, I'm always sending him like video clips trackside, <laughs> and he's and he's like, dude, I think I could ride that. Like, so like he talks about it now. He's like post racing career. He's like, I want to try and do a World Cup. I'm just like, Sick. okay, dude. Like that's pretty gnarly. <laughs> it's a little different than than the trails we ride here in Laguna. But hey, if anybody can do it, it would be him. So yeah, it's pretty cool. You, pretty cool. Do you think it's do you think it's e bikes that are helping that sort of turning supercross motocross guys heads towards the mountain bikes uh probably honestly i don't i don't think it really has anything to do with the motors or the e-bikes um i think for the industry for sure because you've got like for example like all the mechanics at um the factory kawasaki team they're all like so gnarly into e-bikes they're like riding (laughs) from the shop like they've all got like the the most not you know because they're factory kawasaki mechanics like they're the baddest dudes when it comes to working on bikes so they've got like the most tricked out setups with all the parts and um adam cincerillo's mechanic justin shanty like he just went and spent a week at crankworks because he's just like just wants to ride it's super cool so um yeah i'm i'm seeing a lot of it and honestly i'm trying to push it because i think both sports can leverage each other um Something pretty cool is we've got a pretty cool thing in the can that's going to happen this weekend at in Val Nord um, with Jackson Goldstone and uh, one of our moto athletes, Joe Shimoda. Um, mm-hmm. So I won't I won't spill the beans, but pay attention. <laughs> okay, well it it will have happened by the time this goes out. So oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So basically, uh, quick story: um, we, the the biggest amateur motocross event in in the u.s it's like the national championships just happened a couple weeks ago and we pulled joe in to we do a a special kit every year for all of our all of our athletes that qualify so we pulled joe in it was a really fun thing we did we we pulled him in and kind of let him design the kit um really like pick the colors and kind of like help he's more the creative director he wasn't pushing any pixels by any means but (laughs) Yeah, yeah um Anyway, so we built the whole activation kind of around Joe and like, um, you know, kind of being that, uh, you know, echelon athlete working with our amateur kids. And it was a really cool tie in that we did. But anyway, Jackson, like, loved the kit. He was like, dude, the, the Joe Shimoda Loretta's kit is so rad. Like, can I get one? And I'm like, sure, dude. Yeah. Like, you should ride in it. And he's like, oh, yeah. Like, maybe I'll do a lap in a. Uh, I'll do a lap of practice in Andorra and like get Sven to get some photos and I'll like make a post and like maybe me and Joe can do like a collab post. So nice. <laughs> we like, we did it full moto style too. The, the guys at the syndicate were super cool. And, um, obviously cause all their kit is custom and you know, there's branding guidelines and whatnot, but they, they gave us a little exception. So we did it full moto style. So it's got like his number on the back and like a butt patch. Yes. And so yeah, it should be pretty cool. Should be pretty rad. That's very cool, man. Very cool. So yeah, yeah, your your job title is global director for sports marketing and athlete development. Can yep. you explain long long title? Uh, I think yeah, we what, need a short. What that does that thing. mean? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So yeah, I mean, basically oversee the um, the program globally, like across both categories, like like I mentioned earlier, um, and then the athlete development side is more. Um, responsibilities like with the amateur program um working through you know especially it, that's that's a crazy comparison actually between moto and bike um how i would say there's just a little bit more of like a formal process of like how you develop as a rider on the okay. moto side with with a I, not clear, but a pretty clear pathway into being a pro. Whereas, yeah. um, I think on the bike side, it's a, that's something that we could definitely improve upon as an industry. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been something super cool for me on the develop, like youth talent development side, like, because those are my roots. Like that's where I came from. I was part of that program. And there's a lot of things that, you know, I would say that are kind of like traditions even that we've kept, um, throughout the program for, you know, since I was a part of it. So, um, that's a pretty fun side of things. It's, it's kind of, it gets kind of wild when like, cause you deal with parents, right? So like, um, but we're super lucky, honestly, like our, our team we've got on the moto and the bike side, when it comes to amateur athletes, like we're super lucky to work with all the riders that we do and great families. And just what, what's super cool is that like, they're really part of the brand. Um, and, and we, we really try hard to make sure that they're pulled in, to make sure that they know what's going on, to make sure even that they know about stuff before it happens before, so we can get their opinion. And, um, so that's been something like super rewarding for us. Like when you have a, like a round table conversation with some, some athletes and, and parents to kind of like tee up the future is, um, yeah, man, it's, there's, there's not many things more rewarding than that in our world. So yeah, it's a a super fun part of my job for sure. Yeah. And I, yeah, hundred percent agree. It'd be good to see more consistency and more pathway kind of stuff being done in, uh, in mountain biking, especially on the downhill side. So work work to be done. I think everyone acknowledges that, but no one really knows what the solution is just yet, but I'm sure we'll get there together. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is, you know, you have, you have some, pretty good national programs, right? Like I think like France, for example, like look at what's happening in France. It's unbelievable. Um, and, and you see the result of it, right? The talent that's coming out of there. Um, so I think like using them as a, as a benchmark for the other national series and, you know, I would obviously being an American would love to see, you know, that development pathway to, you know, start to be built over here, which, uh, from what I understand, there's some pretty cool things in the works and, our buddy Nico Malali, for example, like what he's doing in the Southeast is just so awesome. And, yeah. um, and again, we're seeing it right. Cause now you've got talent like, like Asa, for example, I mean, he should be the next American, you know, contender on the world cup scene and, sure. and hopefully there's a good platform to get him there. So it sounds like, sounds like exciting times. Definitely, <laughs> but, man. Definitely. Yeah, man. <clears throat> tricky stuff but we'll get there so one one of the biggest like moves since you've been in that role i guess is getting the entire santa cruz syndicate onto fox because they were all on each three of the three riders at the time had three different kit sponsors um which causes its own headaches i think for the team and all sorts of you know trying to make that look like a group is always a challenge um so that move on to fox across the board is obviously super cool um can you just tell us a bit about that, how that came to be? Because I'm guessing moving three athletes and bringing in a fourth athlete in as well, getting everyone yeah. on the same program is not a straightforward piece of work. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a long story. I'll try and tell the short <laughs> version. Um, but yeah, first and foremost, like, it's been such a cool partnership that we've been able to strike with Santa Cruz and, and the syndicate. Um, not being, you know, the, the super in the mix person, especially like I didn't know anybody at Santa Cruz, for example, before, before we, before we got this going. So, um, yeah, we basically, we had a super long standing partnership, um, with Specialized, which was, which was awesome. All the respect in the world to them. Um, we won a lot together. We did a lot with like Bruni, for example, and, um, Vincent Sakamani, who I mentioned earlier, you know, he deserves a lot of the credit for that because he did just a fantastic job with building that partnership and bringing Loic especially in as a, you know, a face of the Fox brand. So we're super, super thankful for everything that we were able to do with them. And, um, we did end up going different directions, um, which again, you know, no hard feelings. We, we kind of knew it was, it was the plan for them. They, they wanted to start developing their own apparel and, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, no disrespect whatsoever. And, you know, we're still all cool. I always, you know, go and see Laurent and them at the races. Those guys are awesome and still keeping really good contact, especially with like, but, um, yeah, we, we basically got to a point where we were like, all right, what's our next move, you know? Um, and we explored some options, um, there was a, a lot going on at the time. And then um, all of a sudden, I, I remember, so Vincent was still around at the time. And I got a call from Vince and he was, he, I, th- I want to say he was at, it started really to kick off around Maribor. So this was 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say it was, it was either Maribor or Lindsayde. I can't remember exactly. But basically he was like, hey, this, this could happen, like this syndicate. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> really that that's pretty insane so um fast forward to snowshoe world cup i traveled out um i went to leger that year and then snowshoe was not too long after and i remember i traveled out to snowshoe because we had set up some meetings like we were me and vince were going to meet with greg and then plan was to meet with some of the guys from santa cruz um, so yeah, we, we met with Greg. I, I think I had been in snowshoe for like maybe 30 minutes. And like, <laughs> I always joke about like how it's easier for me to get to Europe from California than it is to get to snowshoe. So it was just like this hellacious travel day. I show up, like, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it's, it's a mission to get there. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so I show up and, and, uh, Vince is like, Hey, we're going to meet with Greg. I'm like, okay like when he's like oh right now and I'm like oh shit okay so we go meet with Greg in the village and um just uh, having never really like formally met him um for me I was just like right away I could just like sense there was something there um we just had a super cool conversation he was really straightforward about kind of like what his expectations were and you know kind of I would say uh, you know he was a little bit of like uh, an orchestrator of the whole thing. Cause I think he was pretty excited about, about an opportunity to, um, you know, work with us. And, um, so yeah, then later in that weekend, I found myself in, in our condo in the living room and I'm sitting on the couch and I've, and Rob Roscop, Steve Pete, Greg Menar, and, uh, Scott Turner from, from Santa Cruz are sitting in the room across from me. And I'm just like, <laughs> all right, (laughs) like this is pretty cool. So yeah, long story short, um, 
everybody was super enthusiastic and they were looking for a change. Obviously there was some, there was, you know, some plans on their side to sort of rebrand the syndicate and, um, bringing Jackie on board, obviously was, it was a huge part of that. And then we were super stoked. Obviously we had a longstanding relationship with Lori. Um, so the fact that Lori got, you know, was included in it, we were just kind of like, is this, is there like a bad thing about this or is this, um, and then, um, so yeah, a couple weeks after that, like me and Will got on the phone and, um, kind of finished everything up and then, yeah, it was honestly, it was, it was super smooth. And then, um, yeah, we started working together and quickly just realized culturally how many similarities there are between the, between our brands and just honestly uh-huh. people internally. Um, so yeah, like just the working relationship right off the bat was really smooth. Um, we had a ton of excitement behind it. Our design team, for example, um, are all like, we've got some super good riders sitting on the other side of the building right here and, um, who are super in tune with the world cups and, you know, all that. So to have a new project to work on and there was just, yeah, so many ideas just being kicked around right away. So, um, started off really smooth and just honestly has been like, you know, 10 out of 10, as far as partnerships go, like we're so aligned, um, with everything that we want to do together. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's exciting. It, it, yeah. And I think I'm pretty biased, but I think it looks pretty cool. <laughs> it, it does look very cool, man, but a huge project, right? Right from the get go. Cause not only did you do kits for the athletes, you basically did like everything for all of the staff on the team. So there's like jackets yep. and hoodies and t-shirts and I think there was dungarees at one of the races. Like <laughs> you've not messed about. I don't think I've seen it done at that scale before to memory anyway, in mountain biking, like across the board, like that was a huge undertaking to get going with. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that first and foremost. Cause it was, it was a, it was a huge project. Um, tons of time and energy was just poured into it. But like I said, um, the enthusiasm internally here that we had to make it special and, and put that amount of effort into it was was really what I think got us to to where we're at. So I'm, I'm super thankful for our whole team here and for all the crew over at Santa Cruz too. Like I said, it's just it's an it's an easy working relationship. They trust us to do our thing. Like I don't know how many times I've been on phone calls with Seb Kemp and he's just like. Now you guys, you guys know, you guys know what's cool. Like on the gear side, you know, we're not going to try and de- tell you how to design stuff, which, which is awesome. And we just really appreciate that partnership. And, um, yeah, it was, it was the rollout initially was really exciting because kind of what I was, what I was talking about earlier, um, on the, how we bring things from the moto side over to bike, that was really one of the first instances of that where we got to put that into action because it was like, okay, top to bottom, this has to be perfect from the rider kits to the staff clothing, to all the branding, everything. So coming with like a full approach, um, with the, with the, we call it team wear, pit wear, um, basically anything that the staff is wearing off the bike. Um, and yeah, the way that it, that all executed was super fun and like, yeah, like showing up at, uh, at Lord's last year with the, with the dungaree or the, no, it was, uh, like boiler suits, boiler like the suits. full, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and of course, you know, first round, everybody, like the entire crew did track walk in the boiler suits, athletes, mechanics, everybody. So that definitely made some noise like right off the bat, which was, which was super cool. And we've just, now it's like, we just want to keep clicking gears and like keep that momentum alive. So, 
um, yeah, it's it's been so fun. Um, and then what was really cool, so I'll, I'll be totally honest, the, the first year was a bit of a scramble. Um, okay. It, it came, you know, the deal came together a little bit late. We weren't quite sure like what the, for example, like branding guidelines for the gear was going to be and all that. So to be, to be quite honest, we didn't, we weren't able to put as much design energy into it in year one as we probably would have liked to. And I think that's why this year you, you'll notice when it comes to the kit design and the colors and like it's, it's a lot wilder, but it's also, there's just a lot more, um, there's just a lot more things going on. Like, so as you see throughout the rest of the year, you know, basically every two races, they're going to be in something totally different. Um, so going into year two, I would say learning off of just the time that we needed and effort that needed to be put in, um, was super cool because the whole team was in the States after the, um, was it after the Santa Cruz? I think it was after the Santa Cruz Christmas party and they all uh-huh. came down here. Um, so we spent like two days in a room where we were just like showing them designs. We we're kind of going through with all the riders, kind of like what our strategy for the season was going to be from a, from a kit perspective. And, um, that was just like, those are things like you look around a room and you've got four of the best mountain bikers in the world, some of the best de- like product designers in the world. And I'm just like, what am I doing in here? Like, what's my <laughs> role? You know? Um, but yeah, it's just, to, I guess to connect all of it, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been super cool how we've evolved that working relationship. And even from year one to year two, it's, it's really, it's really changed a lot. And now, you know, not to take away from any of our other partners as well, because we do the same exact thing, um, with FMD, um, yeah. Tony is, you know, a visionary in his own right. Right. So, um, he comes with us comes to us with tons of good ideas and, you know, Tani super fun to work with as well because, um, we've got her, what's really fun about Tani actually is we do a, a signature collection with her. So that's mm. sold like yeah. in our main line, we do that every year. And so what's really fun with Tani is like working on the one-off like custom race stuff, but then how does that kind of like lean into, um, the, the collection that we sell commercially? Um, so that's been really fun and like striking that balance between the two has been really cool. And she's super funny. She sends us like the craziest ideas, you know, cause she's super into like fashion and, you know, more of like a cultural, I would say side of things. And so to see like the design references that come through from her sometimes, I'm just like, where do you find this stuff? Like it, but our <laughs> so design so team just, they love it. Like it just gives them something to run with. And so, yeah, that, that, that relationship has been awesome as well, but I think it's overall, it's kind of how the program has developed and how we pull all the athletes in and, um, to work with them directly. Like, you know, even Nico, like we were talking about kits the other day. And, um, yeah, it's just, just fun, man. It's like the stuff you dream about as a kid. So to get to do it as a job, I'm just like, I have to pinch myself sometimes. It's it's pretty rad. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a pretty awesome job. How much involvement then do the athletes get in the design? Does it vo- like vary from athlete to athlete? I guess. I guess with the TS fifty seven stuff you do with Tani, there's more involvement. But yeah, it all varies. It depends on the project. Um, so, like Syndicate, for example, this year we did all the. Um, the like, I, I guess you would say like the graphic design. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had laid out a schedule and we're like, okay, race one, race two, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is the graphic for each. And then we, and then we gave them the opportunity to pick their own color combos. 
So then they were sending us like PD was sending us like golf, golf cars and like old references from like the SE racing days. And, um, Greg was like all over the place. It was his were the craziest. Um, Jackson is sending us like, you know, formula one cars and, you know, golf bags and just all the stuff that he's into. So it's really cool to see like how their personalities came out in it. Uh Um, and how, and then like Nina, for example, like the other, like the three racers and PD, actually PD was pretty easy, but the other three, like no offense to them, they kind of took forever. They're like (laughs) so many ideas and like sending us like, especially Greg, like he was all over the map, but Nina was like, I want this, I want this blue and I want this. And then I want, I want, like, she was so German about it. It was awesome. Like, <laughs> and then, and then the way that it came to life too, is just like so cool. Like her Val Nord kit this weekend, she pushed so hard for like a Navy blue and we're like, mm-hmm. it's kind of boring. Like, is, are you sure? Like, that's what you want. And she was like, no, no, she was so committed to it. And now we see it come to life and we're like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. You were right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, it's, it's all, it depends on the project. Um, how my, I would say Tony probably has the most influence on the, on the FMD side of things. Um, the crew over at the union are just like, you guys, we trust you. Just Joe is like, I'm not even going to try and tell you like you guys, (laughs) you guys just do your thing and you'll hit it out of the park. So, um, yeah, that's, that's all, it's all different, but yeah, works, you know, kind of according to each project. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's become a bit of an expectation now that like athletes have new, you know, new kit, either like every race or every other race that obviously creates a lot of work for you guys. Like how, how do you actually go about getting it made? Cause normally with this sort of stuff, there's like pretty high minimum order quantities. You can't just get like a few jerseys made. Like how yeah. does all this stuff get done? Uh, we have a dedicated um, resource at our factories. Um, so they're super, like, obviously our athlete program is is pretty massive. Like, you, you think minimum quantities, and it's like, well, we're going way beyond that. Um, uh, you know, it's like um, different pricing structure, obviously. But, uh-huh. um, but yeah, so everything for our athlete program is produced all in the same place. So Supercross, Motocross, MXGP athletes, all the bike athletes, um, yeah, all across the board. So we've got an awesome development team here who we've got resources dedicated to both moto and bike programs. So we'll always have a, a developer in the, in the meetings with us, just kind of tracking the whole process. And they're the ones that work directly with the vendors. We just kind of build out the plan place the orders, you know, sort the quantities and the sizes. And, um, yeah, it, it actually, it works pretty smoothly. It's just, we have a little, like not the shortest lead times. So we just have to, we have to plan in advance. Um, Uh but that's, you know, we've, we figured out a pretty good system at this point. Um, and then beyond that, another, another like awesome resource that we have here is our, so we have an in-house, um, we call it tech design. So they're the ones that, basically do all the patterns for all of our product right so like your flex air pants that you that you ride in like they're doing fittings for those and they're like dialing all that stuff in across the board so we've got our team on that side they are the unsung heroes of fox like anybody that wears fox product that loves how their pants fit or loves how their jersey fits like thank 
the tech design team. Um, and honestly, some of them, some of them even are riding these days. So it's, it's super cool. Um, but yeah, they work really closely with us. So anytime we have athletes in, um, we'll do like a full measurement session. And so, and we actually track like for, like for an athlete, for example, like Jackson Goldstone, who's been with us for a super long time, we've tracked his sizes, like since he has been with us. So it's really cool to see, especially someone who started when he was so young, um, to see like how they grow, you know, and, um, same with Ken Roxon, like he's, he's grown up, like he's, he's, he's big and, you know, so muscular now. And like, so to, to be able to compare that data historically is, is really cool, but it also, you know, it helps us to really dial the fit in for everybody. So, um, luckily our stuff is pretty damn good as it is. So it doesn't take a ton of, um, adjustments to get it like perfect for them. But yeah. if we have any issues, you know, it's, it's pretty easily solved. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It does always look pretty good. And the other Thanks. thing you've done fairly recently is the world champs kits. And you had like this continuous <laughs> theme across all of the Fox athletes, but everyone was slightly different. Like again, it's a, it's a huge piece of work. Like how long does it take to put something like that together and get all the athletes brought in, get everyone what they need? Like, cause it was head to toe, right? You had, they had shoes, the works. Yep. Yep. So, well, you know, the, the launch of our shoes this, this spring was a huge focus for us as a brand overall. Um, you know, it was something, it was a three year development project. Um, you know, so much time and energy went into the development of the actual like commercial shoe for when it came out. Um, and man, I can't not thank the team enough for all the work that went into it. Cause those things are, it's for us on the sports marketing side, when we've got a product that, that that's that good, that we are so confident in that we get the size for the rider, we send it to them and they're just like stoked, like no adjustments needed, like everything dialed and, and no bullshit. That's how it's been for every single athlete, like, which is awesome. Cause it's not always the case. Um, but I think it just really says a lot for the development that went into the product. So, um, my point is, you know, the shoes were such a big focus for us. We really wanted to use the World Cup as a platform to to show them off, you know. Yeah. So we've done a lot of custom stuff already, like the pink ones for FMD. We had a, a Syndicate um, collab shoe that actually was commercially released. Yeah. Um, all the custom stuff for the athletes on the syndicate. And then, and then, yeah, world champs was kind of like, all right, we're really gonna, we're gonna go big here. So every single one of our athletes who's on our shoes got a custom, um, colorway specific to their country. So, um, that was super cool. And that was a surprise. They actually, they actually didn't know about uh, that. Okay. Um, yeah. normally for world champs, we don't really show them the kit at all. It's, we, we treat it as a, as a full surprise cause it's easy, right? We know like, all right, Greg, South Africa, Tawny's Great Britain, Jackson's Canada, so on and so forth. So, yeah. um, yeah, we surprised them. And this year we did like that. I don't know if you noticed, but it was like a little section on the pant and the jersey where it said like their hometown and it had their signature and the flag. So we really wanted to make it about um, about home for them. Like, okay. where are you from? What are your roots? And, you know, because, hey, being picked, I think like one thing that people kind of maybe forget the magnitude of, but being picked to represent your country at World Champs, that is such a huge deal. And we wanted to honor that. Um, we wanted to honor, you know, where you came from and what your roots are. So, um, yeah, even like, I remember when Nico got his kit and it said like Reading, Pennsylvania, where he was born. Like, you know, I feel like people think Nico Malali and they think North Carolina, but like, 
he's from Pennsylvania, which, you know, yeah. I think he was really proud to have that on his kit. And, um, yeah, just, yeah, again, special moments, man, that you, you just, it's, it's so, so cool to be a part of. And we're so proud as a brand to help create that stuff. Yeah, super cool. Again, really nice to see. I had a good close-up look at Nico's kit. And, yeah, so many nice little design touches and, like, the yeah. signatures and everything. Even on the shoes, there was something on the, on the like, bit that the boa runs through. There was, yeah, like, on the webbing, on the tongue. On yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Super mm -hmm. good. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. Where, where do you think we'll see race kit design progressing in the mountain bike world, like, both from kind Ooh. of fit perspective, <laughs> materials, design? There's obviously, like the speeds aren't getting any slower aerodynamics becomes more important like riders are interested in how well their kit fits for sure um it looks like you know kits are getting tighter do you think we're going to see different materials being employed and where do you see all that heading for exciting topic right like especially for someone like me um it's funny when you mention aerodynamics, what is it? Chris Kilmurray says that, um, it's, is it 1.7 seconds you get from tucking in your Jersey? He's got a theory. I, well, <laughs> I'm sure he's got some data. To be had. It, it depends on the yeah. speed of the track for sure. But yeah, like tucking yeah. in your Jersey, not having stuff flapping about, even having laces covered, like stuff like that makes a difference. Totally. Yeah. And, and yeah, to answer your question, I, I think that's where it goes, right? Like, um, aerodynamics, you know, slimmer fitting, you know, more, even, even materials that like, cause you think about it, it's like, oh, um, you want breathability all the time, but breathability also means there's openness and there's air flowing through that can actually cause drag. So that's some, that's some stuff I think we'll see developing. Um, I will not claim to be a, an engineer expert by any means. I, I say in meetings all the time, I'm just the dumb sports marketing guy. Um, <laughs> but I think the evolution is natural. And I think we're, we're obviously starting to see it because even if you look at photos from 10 years ago, it's far and away completely different, you know? Yeah. And, um, I'll actually be interested what Jackie has to say when he rides in that moto kit in Val Nord, but he'll probably be like, oh my God, I feel like I got a parachute on. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're seeing it, we're seeing it across the board, right? Like you watch the, you watch the tour, like look at those kits, like it's literally painted on and the aero technology. And, and so I think like everything for me, like trickles down from there. So um, yeah, more wind tunnel testing, more, you know, aerodynamic focus, more, you know, form fitting. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it'll, I mean, I don't, I hopefully don't, we don't like start taking visors off helmets and that kind of stuff, because <laughs> I think that's the wrong direction because we still have to look cool. That's, that's, yeah, the, that's point. the balance. Yeah. Yeah. You got to look cool. So, um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be exciting where it's going. We have some stuff we're working on that, um, you know, our engineering team would skin me alive if they heard me talking about it. So I'll leave it at that. But, um, yeah, I, I think it'll be really fun to see, um, where everybody starts to push it. And, you know, there's a lot of, Hey, we're, and we're not the only brand in the mix, right? There's other big players here and, um, a lot of technology at people's fingertips. So, um, I think that'll be pretty interesting, but then an, on, on top of that, um, I think from a protection standpoint too, um, that'll be really interesting to see where it starts to go because one, the injuries aren't getting any less, right? No. Like, unfortunately we've seen even this year, right? Like with, with Omri going out, for example, and, 
um, you know, you're missing the. That's the worst. Like as a fan, you want the you want the roster to be full at the yeah. at the start hut. And when riders miss racing because of injury, the protection companies need to figure out you know solutions to that. And of course, hey, injuries are going to always happen. It's it's unavoidable in our world. Um, but at the same time, I, I think that's where we've got the most runway to improve. Um, mm-hmm from a protection standpoint and, and just keeping riders safer. Um, and I can tell you right now, there's a whole group of people sitting behind the wall behind me here that that's literally every day what they're working on is how to keep riders safer. So um, we're super proud of the work that we've been doing, but um, it's it's always there. There's always more to do and you can always be better. So um, yeah, yeah it'll be to interesting hear, to see where it goes. Yeah, yeah that, it will be, will be for sure. I mean, you obviously know mountain bike really well. Um, and I listened to a, a pretty amusing rant from uh, Brendan Fairclough on the Ride Companion podcast where he okay. was comparing um, taking a woman that you're trying to impress to a Supercross race versus taking her to Fort William World Cup. And clearly <laughs> Fort William didn't fare too well in this mix. Like they were on a date at the burger bar getting beat, bitten by midges versus being in hospitality at a Supercross race. But do you think mountain bike could learn a lot from Supercross? Because they're still like at that level, very, very different, right? Yeah. But I think also too, to compare the worst case scenario, uh, for each is, is also pretty valid because Uh I was in Fort William getting bitten by midges, which I actually like, that was my first time to Fort William this year, which I'm, you know, so stoked to finally make it there. I had no idea about those things. And I remember like, the, our boys from the UK crew were there running our running the booth and they're like, yeah, you need the spray. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I learned you really didn't need it. Um, but yeah, point being though, it's like going to Unadilla national in New York on the moto side is no more, um, pleasant than being at Fort William getting by bitten by midges too. So okay. I, I think supercross for sure, right? Like you're in a stadium, like n- normally you're in like an urban setting. So you're in like, you stay at nice hotels, you eat at nice restaurants. It's like a nice experience. Um, but then at the same time, it's like Leah gang world cup is like, I, I come home and I'm like, I want to move to Leah gang. This is the best place in the world. Like amazing hotels, amazing food, you know, other than the weather we've had there the last couple of years. But, um, yeah, so I, I think can the sports learn from each other? Absolutely. But I think what it boils down to is like, it, we have to stay core at the same time, you know, because I think the moment that you've got like climate controlled VIP boxes and, <laughs> You know, that's not the direction that any of us want to see it go. So do we have work to do to improve the experience and to get more people there? Absolutely. Um, but I think really that starts with the TV broadcast and yeah. and how people watch it. Because someone who doesn't know anything about the sport, they're not just going to rock up to an event. They need to see it on TV first and they need to get pulled in and, and start to follow it. And then they come and experience yeah. it. You know what I mean? But if that experience on the on the from the media side on the tv broadcast is not 10 out of 10 the likelihood of getting them to come to a live event is is has got to be lower so i think that's where it really starts is that experience and um i would say you know the obviously there's been a lot of changes this year on the especially the world cup broadcast um I don't think it's negative by any means. It's it's different, but um, at the same time, like I think that's where the focus needs to be for these promoters. Mm-hmm. Like the live experience is important, but 
until that until that broadcast is like the numbers are just exploding. I don't think we need to worry anything about like a better experience on site because on site for me is pretty damn good <laughs> in, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. So yeah, and the yeah, nature sure. of World Cup, especially World Cup downhill, is like. You get up on the hill, you take the lift, you spend two hours walking down as the riders are coming down. Like that's part of the experience. And, and that can never go away, in, in my opinion, um, because there is nothing like hearing a rider come through the forest and the just absolute mayhem that is being caused by the fans, whether they're clanking on old rims or they've got horns or bells or I mean it is just that is nothing gives me bigger goosebumps than that because that's like that's what we all do it for right like to hear the the crowd go nuts like that and the riders feed off of it it's just there's no cooler environment in in my opinion so we got it we got to do our best to preserve that because that's sacred yeah, yeah, it's a pretty special place to be come uh, come race day for sure. <laughs> How do you think we're well positioned then? Like we've got this super exciting product. We've got a load of athletes that are looking pretty cool. Like I think all the clothing brands are doing a good job of making everyone look good. Um, and we've got one of the biggest broadcasting companies on the planet, I guess now backing the sport with multiple millions of dollars. Um, do you think we're in a good space to kind of start getting that growth and, and bringing more people in? I think the foundation is there for sure. Um, you've got, like you said, now with with um, Warner Brothers coming in and the ESO and um, hey, hats off to that crew because they took on an absolute monster and hey, not everything is going to be perfect. It's going to take time. Um, but I think the, the fact that they're trying and they're putting in the effort that they are, it's only going to get better. Um, and you know, Chris and his whole team have been, have been awesome with us. I love the, um, the, the like willingness that they have to listen to the riders, especially when it comes to like track markings and safety and all that stuff. I would, I want to make sure, I hope it's implemented more. Um, Mm -hmm. I know they're making the, making the effort to listen, which is, which is great. Um, but yeah, foundationally though, I, I do, I think we're set up super well. We've got really interesting athletes, um, amazing racing. I mean, holy shit. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's been a tighter margin ever right at the, at the top. And, and also too, like the development of the, of the women's side is for me is like one of the most exciting things. The junior women in Fort William, I was like, what is going on here? Like, (laughs) this is so rad, you know? So, um, I think that the, the, the talent, right. Like you've got that, I would say it's like Jackson's generation, right? Like kids that are anywhere from 21 to 16 who mm-hmm. grew up on the sport, grew up kind of doing a little bit of everything too. I think that's, what's really interesting. You see these kids who, I mean, Jackson's the perfect example, right? It's like, he didn't know what he wanted to do. We thought he was going to be a, a slope guy or like riding rampage. And maybe he does that one day because he absolutely could. Um, but I think the diversity of the talent we're seeing in the athletes uh, coming up um, is going to only make for more more exciting racing for for years to come. I mean, yeah. Um, I remember like I was talking to Jackson when he was obviously such a bummer. He missed um, Fort Bill this year with everything he was dealing with, with all his medical stuff. And I was talking to him on the phone and and he was like, oh, yeah, like, I think I'm probably going to miss Fort Bill. It was like right when it was when it was all going down. And and I told him, I was like, dude, 
how many world champs are you going to race in your future? <laughs> yeah. Like, but yeah. think about that. Like, what's yeah. it going to, 10 years from now, like, what's the racing going to be like, you know, with, with talent of his level? And, hey, there's more coming, man. He, he's, he better keep sharpening his skills because the, the kids are coming. It's going to be really, really damned interesting um, to see. But, yeah, and uh, to overall growth, I think I would, I would like to see – you know, other, obviously you want to see like big mainstream money come into the sport, right? Yeah. Are we there yet? Yes and no. I mean, Mercedes, for example, like being involved previously, like that's huge. You know, we don't even see that in, in moto moto. You have energy drinks, like they're the, they're the big ones. Right. Um, and energy drinks are obviously invested in mountain bike racing as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we start to see logistics companies coming in, airlines coming in, like things that all make sense in our world, too. I think that would be super cool and would only expand the reach. Um, and obviously the money coming into the sport helps everybody. Right. Because if you're if you're as, as an athlete, if your two biggest sponsors are your energy drink partner and your gear partner on top of obviously your team sponsorship, like where else are they getting income from? Because the industry is only so big, right? Like endemic, I would say. So for the athletes to really elevate from an income point of view, you know, that's going to have to happen because, you know, we're not, we're not tripling in size every year. You know what I mean? Um, And the money, the money coming in endemically is, is, you know, relatively, staying the same. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that'll be the next sort of like massive progression is when we see bigger partners coming in, but obviously there's, there's the other side of that, right. Where it's like kind of going back to like my point around keeping things sacred, like we as an industry need to make sure that we can, you know, have an influence on that and make sure that like, this doesn't just get real goofy all of a sudden overnight, you know what I mean? Because that's what makes it cool. So to keep that foundation, like I talked about, you got to strike the balance. And I, and I think, you know, we're in a good position to do that. I, I really, yeah. I really feel that way. So for sure. Are there things that you think need to change? Is there anything? And we've talked a bit about like pathway into the sport and so, well, not into the sport maybe, but into the professional level and the world cup level of racing. Are there any other areas that you think need a bit of work but for us to be, kind of ready to go off in that direction and to bring in bigger brands and to get the growth really going? Mm. Hmm. Put me on the spot there. Um, yeah, the, the safety thing for sure. Yeah. I I think that's important from like a, that's kind of a different topic. I think you're leaning more towards like the business side of things. Um, I think the ability for the venues to host the events in a, in a strong way, like, I, hey, I love the fact that the ESO is combining, um, you know, Enduro now with the downhill events. But, like, let's be honest, all the venues aren't going to work um, yeah. perfectly. You know what I mean? So I think that should be refined a little bit just to because because I think the idea, right, is like to elevate the overall magnitude of the events and create these festivals, you know. Yeah. But in order to do that, I think that the venues really need to get sussed out a little bit better. Um, and like for me, obviously I'm biased, but like, 
I want to see more here in the U.S., you know. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, no disrespect to snowshoe whatsoever, but as a, as a country, we could show a better, a better, uh, experience. You know what I mean? Um, when you think about like the amazing venues we go to in, in Europe between Leger, Morzine, Leagang, like these, these, they're just set up so well. Um, and then, you know, I think like, you know, having something on the West coast, like there's so many amazing, uh, ski resorts where, you know, some, like everything could be hosted in a, in a really good way. But I know, Hey, that's not the, there's a lot of mechanics that go into selecting venues and just like having the most epic place doesn't always mean they should have a world cup. But, um, yeah, I think, I think that could, that would be something that, you know, would, would help to just elevate overall, um, foundationally, like I said. For sure, yeah, something that will take a little while for the the team to get around the world and visit all these places and find sites that are capable, I'm sure. But it, feel, totally. it feels like that's the direction they're wanting to head. And it's always amazing to see how many fans travel a really long way to get to Snowshoe and to yeah. support the sport. So can you imagine like, if we had more rounds over there, like what the crowds would be like? It would be so good. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, and, and honestly, like the East Coast is so rad right now. Like... Um, with, like I mentioned, Nico earlier and everything going on in the Southeast, like sort of like centered around Pisgah, but then the Northeast as well, we, we moved, um, we work really closely with Clay Harper and the, and the U S open. Um, and you know, we, we moved the U S open back to the East coast last year, for example, and had it at Killington and Vermont and, Man, it was just so cool to see the the community that came out, the 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 young participation, like the youth classes, was so rad to see, like just the list of entries and um, the women's class and all the different things that were going on with that event. As like like I said, kind of like as a festival too. So yeah, the the communities are there. It's just like we just need to get the events to 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 those spots, you know. And and I think it'll happen. I, I think. Uh, I've heard enough rumblings that uh, I think we're moving in, in the right direction. So, <laughs> but Good I'll leave that stuff. to Chris and his team to put out press yeah, releases. They're, they're, they're a busy bunch, but uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll hear some more about next year's calendar soon. Well, For sure. um, we're going to start wrapping up pretty soon, but I asked a few sure. uh, people within the industry that have worked with you what I should talk to you about. Um, and uh, I'm just going to pick two of the questions that came up. Most of them I can't really ask you. Um, <laughs> the first I one can of those, imagine. The first one of those two, if um, if you could sign anyone who's not currently a Fox athlete from the mountain bike world, who would you want to bring on board and why? Kate Edwards. Okay. I don't uh, think I need to say a, anything. It's a no-brainer, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just... I love Cade as a, as personally, but like as a rider, yeah, he's just, you know, every time, you know, he was tell I, I can't remember what he was talking about. We were somewhere in Leah gang and I can't, I can't remember the story now, but he was like, he was all stressed cause he didn't have like any footage in the can that nobody had seen. And he like needed to show, I can't remember why he needed to show somebody something. And I was like, dude, just send him your Instagram. Like <laughs> yeah. every time you post something, it's just a total banger, you know? So, um, yeah, I think as far as like a well-rounded bike rider goes, man, I'm just such a fan of that kid and yeah, he couldn't be a, a better human at the same time. So yeah, would love to have him. 
hello yeah, to have him repping sure. Fox at some point. But yeah, uh, start a vital thread. Maybe maybe somebody will, you know, some rumors will be start to kick around. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can make it happen. <laughs> nice one. All right, the second one. I won't say who this came from, but the question is, who do you love more, the syndicate or the union? Oh, that came from Joe. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, I have equal love. Equal love for the whole team. Yeah, they're all, like I said, I, I was talking about it earlier. Like the way we work with everybody is super rad. And um, yeah, I have been wearing some, I did, I will say, I did get gifted a couple pieces of union team wear that I've been repping around around oh, nice. town here. So yeah, I've been, been representing the union pretty well lately. But yeah, that's, no, cool. that's such a cool program. And yeah, they're, they're so, super rad. So, but it's equal nice. love like- for everybody. Yeah, I like how you've got like two really different design languages between the union and the syndicate, like still yep. Fox, but two very different styles. Like the union's kind of maybe a bit more like low key, some in, like interesting color matches and stuff, and then yep. more like factory vibe with the syndicate. But it's cool that you've got those two different outlets. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's again, it's the the ability for us to work with them the way that we do. We just we have they give us like such so much freedom to have fun with it and and just kind of again like you said, kind of create their own identities as teams. So yeah, it's uh, it's working pretty good. Nice. Well, we'll wrap up with our final four questions that we ask uh, pretty much everybody. The first of those, if our listeners had one hundred and fifty pounds, which is about one hundred ninety US dollars to spend to improve their performance on a bike, what would you recommend they go spend it on? It's not a lot of money. Mm, just one thing. It doesn't have to be one thing. It could be a few things, but yeah, you've got a budget of 190 US dollars. I'm going to be super budget conscious. Okay. Um, and I would go, I would tell them to go and get um, a set of the Bergtech Greg Menard signature grips. Yeah, because I've heard good things. Because they are, and I... I work at Fox, so, but I do not wear gloves. I like, I hate wearing gloves. Um, and for me, like they are just, they've like changed my whole experience. And so it's funny. I, I joke with Dan that I've become like the Berg tech, like the SoCal Berg <laughs> tech ambassador. Cause anybody who will listen to me, I'm like, you got to get these grips. Um, so yeah, I would say the Berg tech Menar signature grips. And then in classic Menar fashion, go and spend the rest of the money at the bar. Okay. It's good. <laughs> that doesn't go very far these days either, does it? <laughs> awesome. The Brick hey, the the grips are like twenty three bucks, I think. So you sh- you should be able to you should be able to have a pretty decently good time. Just keep Excellent. your crew tight. Yeah, you can have yeah, a good post ride session for sure. All right, next one. <laughs> if you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself, age sixteen, what advice would you give him? Start riding mountain bikes. Yeah, you feel like you missed something there. Well, yeah, I think I could have, again, like I said, living in Florida, you know, we were just riding BMX bikes and building trails and stuff, but there was no reason why, I mean, there's, there's stuff happening there now, especially, but, um, yeah, I would have traded in my BMX for at least, at least to like get a foundation going because I was a, I was a late bloomer, but luckily my (laughs) moto and BMX foundational skill kind of helped me out. (laughs) What are you, what are you riding now? What's in the garage? Ooh, uh, I've got a new Santa Cruz Nomad, um, which is, yep, yep, the new one. I got the butterscotch yellow. Um, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's dreamy. Um, yeah, that thing is. I took it to Leah Gang and rode it at the bike park. Like it was, it's such a good rig. Um, and then I've got a. I just framed my. I have a an older Bronson, um, but I just framed it. Actually, literally finished framing it last night because I'm gonna I'm gonna swap that. And I'm gonna get a fifty ten. So okay. I'll have a balance between a fifty ten and a and a, and the Nomad. And then I've got nice. a, I've got a I've got a e bike too. I've got a Bullet. Why not? Eh? Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, good fun yeah. toys. Oh, they are. They are. Yeah, it's just just to get more descents, man. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and dad life's coming your way soon, right? So uh, limited time e-bikes are like the perfect tool. It is. Yeah, I've been looking at those like shotgun seats that you put on the top tube, put on the e-bike. Yeah, get the get the grom out as soon as as soon as she can hold her head up. <laughs> yeah, they are real good for that. Our little one absolutely loves it. Yeah, definitely recommend awesome. those for sure. All right, man. Third yep. one. If you could have a coaching session from anyone, past or present, who would it be and what would you want to learn from them? And this is just to be clear, this is coaching for riding. Uh, you could have a, a riding and a non-riding if you want. Okay. Okay. Um, riding, I would probably... I mean, this is such a, I feel like this is like a really stereotypical answer, but I spend so much time with him and he still blows my mind to this day that we get to talk and hang out. But Steve Pete, like, yeah, yeah, he is just such a legend. And, and honestly, in, in, uh, I would say in both sides too, like for writing, but also just like life advice, the guy's so wise. (laughs) I've heard that from a few people, actually. I don't know Steve particularly, but I've heard a few people say that. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's had such a, such an interesting career and, you know, live, he lived over here in California for a while and he, he, you know, he's just, he's just done so much. He's been part of the sport for so long and seen so many things come and go. And, um, I feel like he's able to like sniff stuff out super easily. He'll be like, I'm not sure about this, you know? And like, he's normally right. So, um, yeah, life coach on and off the bike, Steve Pete. <laughs> there you go. All right. Last one. What do you do every day that you feel benefits you? Ooh, actually, um, this is kind of a cool story. So, and I tell this to my crew all the time here, this is like pretty, pretty specific to my job. Um, and I've actually admittedly, I've been a little bit bad about it lately. So don't <laughs> quote me on the everyday thing, but, um, one thing that's really important to me and because, Hey, everybody's job gets like monotonous or stressful or, you know, there's challenges and, um, you know, I, something that I do that I really, you know, try and keep the fire lit and, and make me realize what's, um, that I'm so lucky to get to do what I do on a daily basis is I, I try and walk in the, the front entrance of our building. Um, and the front entrance of our building is like this, it looks like a death star, like, you know, <laughs> super cool design. And, um, we've got a retail store in the front with a bunch of, a bunch of bikes on display and a bunch of memorabilia. So for me to, to go and, and Hey, there's like seven different entrances, right? So like most people who work here, like park in the back and walk in like a side door. But for me to walk in the main entrance is something that like, it kind of, it really helps to keep me grounded but it helps to to remind me again, like I said, like how lucky I am to get to do what I do and to be a part of such a epic, 
you know, legendary brand. Um, at our main entrance, um, the like we have a retail store and then it kind of opens into like the rest of the office. And mm-hmm. something really cool that I, I believe it was Pete Fox um, did as, as part of the design is there's a, there's an entryway that's painted in like the zebra pattern, like the classic, like Fox animal print pattern. So from what I've heard, he, he wanted that to be like an entry point. Like he had to walk through that and then it opens into the rest of the building, which is all future focused. Like there's not a ton of old stuff. Um, so that just like kind of reminds me every day what I'm, what I'm doing. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll do that in the morning because I came in the back door this, this today. So (laughs) I'll do it again tomorrow. <laughs> nice. I like that. That's cool, man. That's really cool. It sounds like an, an interesting building. I'll have to get out there and visit one day and see it in uh, in person. You're always welcome, man. We got a pump track out back and there's a full, we've got a full gym now, which is really cool. No um, we've got a, actually like a bunch of the local um, SoCal kids use like, even like Ryan Pickerton, he, he trains yeah. with, we have a trainer that's here once a week that works with our staff. Um, but then like Pinky comes and he works out in the gym and a couple of our moto athletes, like, um, not that Pinky's you know, not, not one of our athletes, but you know, he's a friend and like yeah. we let him, we let him in here and he's a good kid. And, um, but yeah, some of our moto athletes like Ryder DiFrancesco and Joe Shimoda's here like once a week, it seems like. So yeah, it's a, there's a lot going on. You'll, you'll have to come yeah. by, man. We'll, uh, like we'll give you a cool tour. Space. <laughs> nice one, man. Well, it's been an absolute yeah. pleasure chatting, finding out a bit more about you. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how things progress with all things Fox across uh, across the sport and how the sport itself moves on as well. And it's uh, yeah, it's cool to have you involved. So yeah, if people want to sure. find out a bit more, where should they be going to like check out the the latest Fox kit? Yeah, foxracing.com. Um, regardless of where uh, what, where you are in the world, it'll direct you to the country specific site. But honestly, the the lifeblood of our of our sport is is the bike shop. So go to your local bike shop, hang out there, go bring the boys a six pack of beer, and get them to work on your bike. And um, I think that that's you know culturally that's so important. Go and put your hands on some product and um, try some stuff on. And you know, yeah, it's the that's so yeah. Dealers website, we're pretty easy. Instagram, that's where everybody goes these days. <laughs> What's, you've got a specific bike, haven't you? Is it at Fox MTB for bike? Yeah, yeah, at Fox yeah. MTB, and then um, at Fox Racing is kind of like the Halo channel for for yeah. the whole brand. So you'll see content around both sports on that channel, and more a little bit more lifestyle driven. Um, and then, but yeah, the main the main source is uh, at Fox MTB and. Um, yeah, we're that thing. It's, it's crazy to see that the channel just exploding with interaction and, um, yeah, thanks to everybody who follows along. And if you're not following, definitely give us a follow because we're having some fun on there. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Well, yeah, like I say, it's yeah. been an absolute pleasure. Uh, all the best. I hope, uh, hope dad life early phases treat you well. And hopefully I'll see you at a race at some point when you come out the other side of it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for having me on, Chris. Appreciate it. Pleasure. Cheers, man. that's it for this episode with Austin. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to head to misspentsummers.com and check out Downtime EP and their other incredible products. If you're in Leger this week for the World Cup, then stop by Yeti Mobilier on the high street, say hi, check out some amazing photography and grab a coffee.
Also, don't forget, if you want to help support the podcast, then the best way to do that is by heading over to patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast and setting up a donation. I'm aware that times are tough for a lot of people right now, so if that doesn't work, then no worries. But if you can support, then it is much appreciated. We also have t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Make sure you're following the podcast by hitting that button in your podcast app now or by heading to downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. And you can also get a bit of extra downtime by signing up to our newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. All right, that's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. <laughs>